for me, DevOps, it, it has three components. It has a focus, so what it is you're trying to do. It has a means, so how you're going to go about doing that. Uh, and then it has, uh, uh, it has results, right? So you, you a way to measure what it is that you're doing. And so for me, when I look at DevOps, I look at it as being, uh, the focus is the people. The means is the technology and how you're going about this. And uh, you know, the result is a better product delivered faster and more reliably. Before we begin, I want to thank you for being awesome, sincerely. When this video came out, this channel was two months old, and during this period, your support was phenomenal. I'm really thankful to everyone watching, and more specifically, my subscribers. You make all of this effort extra worth it. Today's fireside chat is fantastic. Jared has the wonderful ability of being able to convey complex topics in simple, short answers that are very straight to the point. Jared is a Communities of Practice Area Director, and I love working and learning from him every day. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it. Jared, I am extremely happy that we got the chance to do this together, and thank you very much for your time. Uh, I want to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what's your background? Uh, how did you get into tech? Yeah, thanks, Basim. I'm uh, pretty excited to be here. Um, so a little bit about myself. Uh, so I am a, a super nerd who likes to read, uh, in case you can't see it back there. And I'm a uh, husband and father of five children. Um, how did I get into tech? Uh, so I've been been kind of uh, in tech most of my life, uh, dumpster diving uh, to get computer parts as a kid, putting things together and building my first computer, which uh, had Windows 95 installed off of 100 floppies. Uh, so that was a fun experience. Wow. Um, and uh, from there, just kind of, uh, you know, made my way through uh, to aerospace engineering and some uh, electrical engineering and uh, made my way over to tech in Kuwait. So. It was hard to get into the tech field, um, but uh, the army would would take uh, take folks as junior engineers, and so I took my opportunity, went over there, got two years, and came back as a regular engineer. So there you go. <laughs> if you can't get an internship and you, you don't have uh, don't have the connections, that was the way I did it. Wow, I never knew you spent time in the Gulf. That's uh, that's pretty cool. We should we should talk a little bit more about that later on. <laughs> All right. Um, you are currently a Communities of Practice Area Director at GitHub. Can you tell me a little bit more about this role? What does what is Communities of Practice and, and what, what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so Communities of Practice uh, at GitHub is, uh, is really a, a community where um, you get together on similar topics or, or uh, like-minded topics, where essentially, if you're interested in learning more about Git, we will go find the Git experts and, and get a group of people together to kind of deep dive and learn about the different scenarios and what makes Git tick underneath. Um, and we do this with a number of different technologies from GitHub Actions to um, uh, you know, Terraform and Ansible and, and basically any, anything that fits into the technology space, we can build a community around that of people who are interested in it and can share uh, their knowledge with each other. Sounds great. Um, you've spent most of your recent or the recent parts of your career as either a DevOps engineer or a DevOps engineering manager. Uh, what got you into this area? 
Yeah, so that was a little bit more of a uh, natural evolution, I would think. Um, so I started doing DevOps before DevOps was a term and, and really uh, bridging that gap between what happens in development and what happens in production and kind of making sure that, that both of those two responsible parties can actually interact with each other without uh, tossing everything over the wall. Um, I started that off in Kuwait, essentially, with our help desk, and we had some folks that were coming in from different bases, and they would stay for a couple of days, and we needed to give them access. And so I uh, kind of built a system that would allow them to automatically add their MAC address for their laptop, and they would be provisioned uh, and approved by one of the admins. And when they left, it would be automatically removed. Um, kind of evolved into, uh, you know, as I moved around to different companies, uh, kind of evolved into what is now known as uh, DevOps, really, and, and has kind of become its own little micro industry, so to speak. I hear you. I want to dig deeper into this topic, and I want to do it in a no bullshit, no marketing way manner, and I, I know you are the perfect person to do it that way. Um, <laughs> so we throw the term DevOps uh, around a lot, myself included, right? Uh, we use it to denote a function within an engineering team, uh, we use it to describe a culture. Uh, we use it to describe tools. Um, help me define DevOps, please. Yeah, DevOps is uh, it is definitely a bit of a nebulous term. Um, and I think it can be helpful and uh, misleading to, to have uh, the term thrown around so much. But for me, DevOps, it, it has three components. It has a focus, so what it is you're trying to do. It has a means, so how you're going to go about doing that. Uh, and then it has... Uh, uh, it has results, right? So you, you a way to measure what it is that you're doing. And so for me, when I look at DevOps, I look at it as being, uh, the focus is the people. The means is the technology and how you're going about this. And, uh, you know, the result is a better product delivered faster and more reliably. Um, so with those three components, you really get the feel of DevOps isn't just a title or uh, a tool or, uh, you know, um, a, a company initiative but you're really trying to enable your people to do something and you're doing it in a specific way for a specific outcome. And so uh, that's, that's how I think about DevOps. Perfect. I like, I like the continuation of the, and the connection between these three uh, components. A lot of companies approaching DevOps as hiring a DevOps engineer, you know, positioning them in the team or maybe hiring some coaches or experts or consultants, just throwing them in a team and saying, yeah, we're doing DevOps now. Uh, why is this a bad approach and what is really missing in this formula? Yeah, so I think that actually falls into the same problem uh, that, that DevOps was originally trying to solve. And that's largely one team throwing the work over the wall at the other team. Um, and now we've created a third team in the middle that kind of sits between the, the developers and the operations team. Um, so we're still throwing things over the wall. We've just changed who it is we're throwing it to. So I think, you know, having a DevOps engineer, um, it has its pros and cons, right? The pro is that you can target a specific group of people that are doing a specific type of work. But the con is that you're really uh, hyper-focusing on, um, on the specific skill set, which is unfortunately incredibly broad, right? So if I call myself a DevOps engineer, maybe I'm very proficient with bamboo or something like that, but I have no clue how to use GitHub Actions, or maybe I'm very good with GitLab uh, CI, but I don't know how to use Jenkins. And you really, you can't find someone who's 
um, who, who's really going to be a good fit for what you're doing because you've kind of uh, narrowed your your definition um, as a recruiter, uh, and you're uh, you've got a landscape out there of just you know very diverse set of skills. So if you focus much more on the the the, the purpose, right? The goal here is to find somebody who can collaborate and automate and 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 bring those teams together, then that would be really what you're looking for in a DevOps engineer. Uh, but that's not really what the title uh, tends to be. Interesting. Yeah, because now it's very much focused on the tooling that are used, which are a means to an end at the end of the day. And now everything rotates around this. I want to ask you what type of company fit from DevOps the most? Is it suitable for all types of tech companies? Some companies can benefit more of this approach. Um, I would say that DevOps is really suitable for all companies because um, at, at its core, it is the principle of enabling people to work better together. Um, so every company that produces uh, technology or uses technology to produce whatever it is they're doing, you're going to want to make sure that you make best use of that technology um, and, and produce a better outcome. And in order to do that, you focus on your people. So from the way that I've defined DevOps, I think it is absolutely suitable for anybody who utilizes technology for their day-to-day -day job. Perfect. I really like that answer. A DevOps culture thrives on having a culture of uh, shared responsibility amongst different teams and breaking down the silos, right, amongst them. Uh, and you mentioned throwing things off the, uh, over the wall to another team and then it will, it's their problem. Can you tell me a little bit more about uh, what are the, what's the orig original problem that DevOps has been trying to attack or, or solve? And also that original problem exists for a reason. It exists because how do we solve accountability in this case, right? If, if we distribute responsibility across teams, what happens? What, what, what about who's responsible for this now? Um, how do we tackle it with DevOps? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so originally the problem is that you have folks in operations who support the application that you deliver. Let's say you're uh, hosting a website and uh, you, know, you deploy the new version of that website and there are problems with it. Well. In the traditional model, you have to kick things back to the developers who then go and make their fixes and then push it over to QA. QA runs through their little checklist of, of things to, to verify. And then that goes back into production. And you've got this very slow feedback cycle where perhaps the actual problem is not actually part of the, uh, part of the whole feedback loop. Um, and, and this is where DevOps comes in to say, okay, well, if you're developing it, then you're also partly responsible for managing it in production. So you, you deploy it and you check to make sure everything is there. Or uh, if you are a, uh, a support engineer, then you have some kind of uh, ability to contribute back to that fix. Perhaps you know, um, you know where to put that piece of code and you do that. And then the automation for your, your DevOps pipeline will kick in and make sure that it all builds as it's supposed to. So this really enables both teams to work better together uh, and, and avoid that whole kicking it back over the wall uh, for, for that responsibility. Makes sense. Now, who actually is responsible for it? DevOps doesn't remove accountability, but you can still have a primary responsible person who is responsible for vetting all of these things. Let's say that you and I are working on a project together and it's a project that you own, uh, but I have access to, and I can create a fix for it 
and you approve it. So you don't have to actually do all the work, right? I've got the context. I know how it works. I've tested it. I put it through. And now we have some automated tooling that's actually going to push this through. And, uh, uh, and all you have to do is look at it and say, yes, it ran the test. I can verify we're good to go there. And so this allows uh, the greater uh, teams within the organization to work together for a common goal while still maintaining that responsibility. And you know, for you, you don't have to approve my PR. You could say, well, I like where you're going, but this isn't the direction that we're trying to take it. So let's take that idea, rework it a different way. So you know, that, that's still, you still have that gating process. Perfect. From this, I want to jump into talking about automation a little bit. You brushed upon this uh, in your answer now. Uh, why, is it, why is automation a cornerstone for a successful DevOps culture? Is it necessary from day one? And how should companies structure their DevOps journey? Yeah, I like that you called it a DevOps journey um, because ultimately you will never stop improving on what you have. Um, so you'll, you want to have some kind of automation from day one, but you'll never stop improving that automation. As your application grows or as your, uh, your business grows, the automation will continue to evolve to meet that business need. And so um, you definitely want to um, you know, start off on a good foot there and incorporate that, but it's, it's something that will never fully go away. Can operation can automation sorry exist without the proper process established in the first place? Like what what is the fundamental level? Um, because in my opinion, if the teams don't even have ways of communicating together or collaborating beyond automation, like this whole thing crumbles. Can you comment a little bit on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, automation. Uh, just just mentioning the word begs the question: What is it you're automating? <laughs> if you're not automating a process then what are you doing, right? So even building the software, you've got this process where you've written it, now you need to build it. You start off with that basic automation, but now you need to get it into production, or now you need to track it within your issue tracker. Maybe it's Jira or Pivotal or something of that nature. And so you have to first define the process and have some kind of process you're working with before you can automate it. And even a startup company would have some kind of process. If you start with a website, then the basic process would be compiling it, testing it, and shipping it over to uh, your web server. And so, you know, the bare minimum there of, of a definition of a process is what you define before you can begin automating it. Perfect. A lot of the focus on the past, at least when I got into the field, uh, was on software development, to engineering overall, and ops was just, you know, a little bit neglected in the sense that it's just this group of people who will eventually deploy my the app or when it's when it's done, right? Uh, after that, the QA people checked it. <laughs> but now this has changed, and it has fundamentally changed a lot. Um, can you explain to me the relationship between DevOps, platform engineering, and site reliability engineering? Because these are new roles that just popped up. Um, I don't know if no, I don't want to say recently. I think they existed for a long time, but we just gave them the, these new fancy titles. So can you comment a little bit on that and tell me about the relationship between the three? Yeah, so uh, DevOps, site reliability, engineering, and what and was the third platform one? Platform engineering. And platform engineering, okay. So they, they basically all touch the same space, but they have a different focus. Site reliability engineering is gonna be focusing more on maintaining that your site is actually up and running. 
Um, and you'll be utilizing the same automation that is developed and pioneered by the DevOps focus. Uh, the platform engineering is going to look at the whole thing. You're going to define what that architecture looks like to begin with. You're going to be deciding on the different technologies that will be used there. So whether you're going to be using Pulumi or Terraform or something else to provision your uh, infrastructure. And the DevOps would be mostly focusing on enabling that through the tooling. So that's kind of the, the focus there is the platform engineering is going to be your architectural design and your initial definition. The DevOps engineering is going to be focusing much more on getting you to that place where you have that automated pipeline. And then the site reliability engineering is going to be the ones that are largely maintaining that through the use of the DevOps tooling. How should these engineering teams be structured in a high functioning DevOps uh, organization? Hmm. So there are different ways that you could structure a DevOps team. Um, I've seen this work uh, in different ways, but it's really going to depend on your organization and your own culture. So you could have one DevOps engineer uh, as they're titled on each team and their primary focus would be writing that automation. Um, and I've seen that I've seen this work here and there, um, but it could also become a significant bottleneck. And you could also have a DevOps engineering team, which is kind of focused on uh, doing the automation for everybody. This again could be a bottleneck to where you might have some initiative that maybe the DevOps team didn't prioritize, it's in their backlog, but it's blocking you. So this is where you know that kind of throwing things over the wall to that third team uh, is still a problem. Um, but ideally, you would have a uh, a, a DevOps uh, skill set within each of these teams. And if necessary, like that first example that I, that I gave of having one person embedded in each team, then they could actually go back to uh, having a unified DevOps call where they kind of synchronize their efforts. Um, but ultimately, uh, enabling people to be able to function with this DevOps automation tooling is the best approach, I think, uh, for scalability to be able to uh, do things in mass. Now for the real kicker, uh, DevSecOps. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a term that's being used very often recently. Uh, can you help us understand this concept? Is it just another buzzword or is there something really fundamental or a fundamental wisdom lying behind it? Yeah, um, so it, I think, again, is, is both helpful and unhelpful as a term. Um, it is helpful in the fact that it kind of uh, reshapes the way that you think about security. It brings you to the forefront of development and, and saying that security is at the very base of your development process. If you fail at security during development, then you're going to fail at security in production. This also takes the whole DevOps motion, the, uh, the mindset, and, and puts it in the context of that automation. So now you have your configuration as code, your, um, you know, all of your uh, automation now defines uh, software-defined uh, firewalls and software-defined networking, where you make a pull request and it configures your router for you and that sort of thing. And it's helpful in that sense because now you've you've rethought how you approach security uh, holistically. It is unhelpful in the fact that uh, sometimes you see this playing out in practice as being its own kind of role, and instead of uh, approaching it holistically within the organization, you now have the same problem with your DevOps engineers that you have a DevSecOps team, which is now the gateway and bottleneck of everything that happens. So exactly. ideally when this works well, you can have uh, a, 
software engineer who just wrote an application, write a pull request into the firewall team when they can approve that and have it pushed out. And so this is where that, that really works out well. Uh, do you share with me the sentiment that these philosophies or ways of working or cultures or whatever you want to call them are effective because they are bottom up as opposed to a, a solution being parachuted from the top down, right? It feels like engineers have taken back control of, of the process a little bit. I don't know. This is my sentiment. You share this and do you agree with this? Um, I think that this, uh, in order to be successful, it needs to be both directions, right? It needs to be top down to provide that holistic support from your own leadership to say, yes, we are going to do this. But it also needs to be bottom up in the sense that really at the bottom, you need to define how that's going to work best for you and organize that in a way that's going to work for you. Um, if you have too much organizational direction from the top that doesn't account for the ground level activities, then what you end up with is a lot of process that becomes difficult for the engineer to follow and it becomes exhausting and overburdening. So you kind of have to have the uh, executive sponsorship to say, yes, we're going to have this DevOps motion. And then you have to have that bottom up uh, initiative to say, this is how we're going to do it, why we're going to do it, and uh, this is what we'll get out of it. So kind of taking that OKR perspective of you know, moving, moving the objectives from the top they're very broadly defined objectives. And then at the bottom, they get very clearly defined by the teams that actually implement them. Does DevOps borrow anything from the agile uh, way of working? Um, there is certainly uh, a, a connection between the two. A lot of DevOps uh, initiatives will be kind of tied closely to their agile notion. But agile is a uh, human process automation or human process management where you're, you're making your workload effective by defining things. Um, and you can't really automate that, right? Um, when you look at DevOps, the focus is, is, is enabling the people. And you do that through collaboration. And Agile doesn't directly address collaboration. Um, it also doesn't directly address automation. And uh, it has a shared goal of that outcome, but that's about the only place where those two points intersect. And they, they really come hand in hand as being complementary to one another, but not being uh, identical or uh, even replacements. Going borderline or touching upon the philosophy or the meta aspect a little bit, um, I see a lot of companies fail to implement DevOps and they just are looking for a quick fix, a silver bullet or a shortcut to fulfill a certain end goal, which is like to release faster, for example. Why, why is this the very common amongst companies? And why, why do they not want to acknowledge that this is more of a journey? And even if we tell them that as consultants, right, they just sometimes refuse to, to hear it or accept it. What reasons for that in your experience? Yeah, I think fundamentally that is a, a misplacement of the focus, right? If we're focused on enabling the people, people will do their best work, right? We give them the tools that allow them to do that work well, and the result will come after. If we focus on the result, then we actually end up actively preventing the people from doing their job. And you don't meet that result, you burn out your team because you're constantly chasing that elusive, faster, better, more. And you know when you're, when you're data-driven instead of data-informed, then you're, you're focused on that report 
rather than focusing on how you can improve the existing process that you have. And I think that's largely uh, the result of being too much of a top down and not enough of the bottom up. And so, you know, if you if you balance that well, then you can take that that goal of being uh, of having the better software faster. Uh, but then you do that by focusing on enabling the people by giving them the tooling that makes them successful. I'm going to play the devil's advocate here, and I am the the CTO or director of engineering at some big organization. We have big problems because we ship every quarter, let's say, we want to be able to ship like some of these awesome uh, uh, Silicon Valley companies that ship every day. I don't know how many releases. I heard about DevOps. I've seen a lot of fireside chats about DevOps. I've read a lot about DevOps. Uh, I want to implement DevOps in my organization, but I also want to have the ability to convince my upper management in a quantifiable manner to justify the investment, right? How do I approach something like this? Well, I think the first thing that you would want to do is speak with some of your engineers who are familiar with automation and get some information about one, what is the most painful, slowest process you have during your deployment? What makes it so difficult to get out every quarter? Two, how long does it take to do that? And three, is there a way we could automate that? And you can take that and make these measurable goals of saying, if we kicked this one out, we would save this much time every quarter and we could begin improving our release cycle. And so you do that systematically one by one with each of these features and each of these uh, processes. And that gives you uh, this, that, that will give you a holistic uh, perspective of how you can take that to your um, executive leadership and say, this is why we need this. You wanna move faster, this is what will happen. You recommend we start with a pilot team? I think that it should be a pilot team, at least to be to convince your uh, executive leadership, uh, because there you can show, you know, this is what it used to be. This is what it is now. It was a small investment, but you can see how that will pay off. Um, once you get that investment, then you want to have that um, holistic big bang sponsorship but you also need to recognize that each team is going to have their own unique challenges. And you can't expect that every team will have the same pace in their DevOps journey. Some teams will be able to move very quickly and uh, change everything they do in six months. And some teams will take six years. Do you believe hiring external consultants uh, and experts uh, can help uh, accelerate such a journey? Absolutely. Um, you know, being... A, Kind of sounds like a sales pitch from myself, but I've been on the other side as well. You know, we've we've um, hired professional services or consultants, people who are outside and don't have the day-to-day -day responsibilities and stress that I have today. If I take my con my workload as it is today, and I say, well, I want to learn this new technology over here, look at my schedule. I can start taking a look at it in July, <laughs> and and by then, you know, you've already been passed up by all of these things. So it's helpful to have somebody come in. You can ask your questions very directly relating to the work that you have today, and they can give you their background and expertise and apply it to what you have. And you kick off that learning journey for yourself in a way that also moves forward the DevOps initiative for the company. I am a software engineer, and I want to understand a little bit what's going on in that subfield. Uh, what are your recommendations for someone who wants to uh, enter, enter this field? 
Uh, well, there is a ton of uh, content out there that is uh, easily consumable, and most of it is tagged with DevOps. So what I would do is, you know, if you're a software engineer, look at the things that you do day to day that are kind of uh, manual and start looking at some of these technologies that might be able to address uh, that space, right? Because um, being, being a, a software engineer, you're already close to that whole DevOps field. Um, and so if you take your, take your software and you put it into Docker, well, there's step one of automating it so you don't have to constantly uh, run through a, a checklist of, of things to build. And then once you wanna start looking at scaling it, maybe you take a look at Kubernetes and, and look at the technologies that make your life as a software engineer better. All right, Jared, you and I both work with companies who operate in a highly regulated compliant uh, uh, market, let's say, or uh, industries. Um, they have to be auditable, they have to have trace logs, they have a lot of regulation that governs how they operate. Uh, and this leads them generally to move a little bit slower than everyone else uh, in terms of releases and many, many other uh, areas of the operation. How can they benefit from DevOps? Do you think benefits, uh, DevOps is even good for them? Yeah, uh, so I think that is definitely something that they can and should implement in order to move faster. Uh, the reason being that DevOps actually improves your accountability by automating all of the pieces in a repeatable and traceable fashion. So let's say I'm a director and I need to sign off on every release that happens. Well, if I need to be present and I'm not actually allowed to touch the code because the regulation requires a separation of duties, then I need to have a database administrator and I need to have a developer, a QA person sitting right there with me and watch them pass it forth between each other. Well, if this process is automated and the developer kicks it off and it gets reviewed by another developer and then some automated process goes and populates the database, if that's already been vetted, then the QA team can go in there and read a report of an automated test that ran. And then I can go and make sure that everything is good and I can sign off on that release. And this can all be done asynchronously. In fact, most of this stuff can be done well in advance to your release. And all you have to do on release day is click the button. Or even better, if you have it scheduled, you can authorize the release and it goes out automatically on that schedule. So you can cut out a lot of the manual steps that are required presently in a lot of these regulated environments with people signing off on their steps by having this process automated and traceable. That's great, thank you very much for that. Uh, Jared, I really loved our fireside chat because it was concise, straight to the point, your answers were very, very direct. Do you have any last thoughts? Uh, I don't, other than uh, it's, it's always a pleasure chatting with you, Basim. <laughs> the pleasure is all mine. Thank you very much for your time, Jared, and uh, thank you everyone for watching.